Welcome to dm to gm I'm your DM, Russ Moore from Dungeons & Dragons. And I'm your GM, Sean Howard from The End of Time and Other Bothers. And we're here to do something. Last time, we played a game with some lovely guests, Tim Lanning from Greetings Adventures and Celeste Conwich from The Venture Maidens. Thank you very much to both of them for coming on. If you haven't checked them out, go do so right now. And uh, we're going to break down what Sean had to wait, do. Wait, let's wait for them to do that and come back. What? Let's wait for them to go check them out and come oh, back. Just, yeah. just take pause your time. for a sec. Yeah. Okay, you back? There we go. Yeah. Woo! You've listened to their entire backlog of Greetings Adventures over 400 episodes, right? Yeah, good. But what we're going to do today is Sean prepped that game and we gave him a few constraints. And so we want to break down how he did it, what he did, um, in hopes to take that and give you something, some useful nugget. We're all about the nuggets here. Yeah, so for anyone out there that's like, hey, I want to try a new system and I want to just pull a game together for a one-off, we're just going to share what we did. So one of the constraints that I was given was 90 minutes. So I uh, had found the game system. So I, I found that, I don't think I decided, do you remember when I sent it on the Discord? I put it late. Uh, it was two or three days before we played. Right, so two or, days before we, two or three days before we played, I sent the game system to everyone. So I had like, I guess I read it a little, but I didn't go into detail, but I read it enough to be like, oh, this will be fun. And then I didn't touch it. You know, I, I found myself like thinking about it a little bit, but I was like, I'm just going to wait. And so I basically waited till 90 minutes before we were going to start recording. And I went upstairs and sat down in front of my computer and began to panic. Which is normal for Sean. Yes, that's my normal process. Yeah. Um, it worked out fantastically, I will say. So the game we played was Offworlders by Chris P. Wolf. Um, we'll link that down in the description as well if you want to go check it out. So what about Offworlders uh, made you decide? Because you basically went to like all the Powered by Apocalypse games you could see. And what made a, what, what about this one stood out to you? Well, so I cheated because that would be too much work to go and look at them all. So I went to Stephen Smith, who is our game consultant on Anytime Another Bothers, and I said, hey, uh, I'm running a one-off. I want some Powered by the Apocalypse-like games that would be fun for a one-off. Uh, and he was great. He sent me one, two, three, four, five games. Um, and uh, the first one uh, was Offworlders. And it, he wrote these little, I love, I'm going to read them because he wrote these little sentences to hook me because he knows me now. He's like, I'm not going to read a lot. So the first one was, got Starship, need to do something interesting. Offworlders. I was like, interesting. The next one, I almost did it, was Rapscallion, High Seas Piracy. Oh, that'd be good too. And if we hadn't just done Flamekin's backstory not that long ago, I probably would have picked that one. Because sure. I was like, oh, that would be fun. The next one was Warren, and he just wrote Rabbit World. I was intrigued. So I opened Warren, and I started reading it. It was the first one I started to read. And... It was, what's that horrible book about the rabbits underground and they're fighting the farmer and they, Watership Down. It was basically Watership Down in a game. I started to cry just reading the descriptions. Right, right, right. And basically right. the rabbits, it says in there, they will not win. They cannot win. Like everyone beats them. The farmer, the, anyway, I was like, this is devastating. So I skipped that. Uh, the next one was Apillion Dragons. I was intrigued, but. I was, I guess, I don't know why I didn't look into it. I didn't even look at it. I don't, I still haven't looked at a pillion. It might be cool. You were just so hooked by Offworlders by this I point. was hooked by Gut Starship. Like anything that's close to Firefly is going to get me every time. Uh, 
the last one, <laughs> this I did look at, was Passion de la Passions. I've pronounced that horribly. I apologize. It's basically a telenovela. <laughs> oh, telenovela? Telenovela. Telenovela. I said, yeah. I'm so horrible. So that was that would have been fun. Um, but yeah, so I went with Offworlders. So that's what I did. I picked Offworlders because, and I wanted like a Powered by the Apocalypse game because I wanted something where in my experience with Powered by the Apocalypse, which isn't all that long, they generally are a simple system with sh- with like the player books they're called, which is really just a sheet that has everything you need on it. Like it's like, generally it's like one sheet that's all the player needs. Yeah. Offworlders is not quite that Right, because I when I sent the sheet around to everyone, I was like, I looked at, I just sent it to everyone. I'm like, oh, here's the character sheet. So I just forwarded the link, and then luckily I opened it, and I was like, oh, there's nothing on this. It's just a bu- couple blanks. Right, you need part of the book still to yes. fill out the sheets. Yeah. So I think Offworlders is an older game, and it's interesting that it's built. M- he credits more Dungeon World than a Powered by the Apocalypse system as his influence. The right. dungeon world is a part of it. Anyways, so uh, it's a fun game, um, but that's basically how I chose it. Nice. Uh, I mean, Starship, I think, yeah, and then when you dropped it in there, I think I messaged you. I was like, we picked the perfect table for this. Yeah. So it worked out fantastically. Um, okay, so after you picked it, you waited two or three days, mulled it over in your brain, which most of us running games do, some of us uh, more than others. Um then it gets to be 90 minutes before you sit down, you know, the call is starting. Where do you start with this book and this prep now? Uh, so I had to read the book. So that took some time. Now, luckily, it's not that big of a book. So it's a great one to pick to run a one off in space. Uh, but I probably spent about 25, 30 minutes, right? Just going through the book in more detail because I'd read I'd basically read the first 15 pages or whatever when I selected it. So I had to go through it. And basically what I started by doing was just writing down the differences in the rules. So um, Offworlders had... So I'm not answering your question at all, Russ. That's fine. We'll get there. (laughs) Offworlders has uh, an interesting idea. I, I Basically, I create little note cards. We'll share a picture of it if we want. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, I just sent it to Russ. He has it now. So... The interesting mechanism in Offworlders that was fun that I you'll hear me in the episode, I kept forgetting to do till the end, is um, slightly different from any other Power by the Apocalypse I've done. And so basically you describe what you're going to do. That's common in these games. And then you pick the most appropriate attribute if the GM determines it's needed. But here's the new part. You talk about potential outcomes at the table. So the person who says, uh, you know, I'm like the the aliens reaching out its tendrils to grab your face and, and you say, I dodge. Um, instead of just immediately going to roll uh, where you'll have a pure success, a partial success or a fail, um, you're supposed to have this conversation where I'm supposed to ask what could go wrong. <laughs> and it's an interesting mechanism because it allows the, the player to have a say in the the negative And there's two really neat things from that as a GM in these kind of games. First, I don't have to panic trying to come up with what to do on a fail or a partial success, right? I've already got ideas based on what the player or what we talked about or what other players have laughingly contributed. Um, And the second part is the player, I think it's less of a, it's less of a GM ganging up on them because they're the ones who came up with 
sometimes something way darker than I would have come up with. Well, and we had four DMGMs around the table. So anything that we came up with was infinitely (laughs) a thousand times worse than anybody else would have because we like to lean into the, well, let's just make this as bad as humanly possible. Um, So well done on reining that back as well. But I like, yeah, I liked it uh, primarily because it is less of a feel bad, even when you know you roll a fail. It's less like, oh, well, the GM either arbitrarily picked or was, you know, just looking to gun down this character or something like that. Yeah. And so 100%. So I like that magazine, but I forgot about it because it's different. Um, But it actually, I would suggest this system as a fun first system for people because that makes it easier. Um, And then the thing is most of Powered by the Apocalypse games have some kind of mechanism in them for, for starting the game or starting the world. Um, you know, we, we did a version of, uh, what's the monster one monster of the week, right? We did that together. Um, and the book just walks you through the questions. So this one has some similar things. I think it's asked, it asked how much, um, basically how much trouble are you in? Um, who do you owe the most to, uh, who's your biggest nemesis or competitor? And then, um, it talks about, um, you just completed a dangerous and lucrative job, um, who, what was it and for, for whom? And so, um, I did not have to plan out going into use. I did not have to use these 90 minutes to plan out the arc necessarily. Yeah. I could rely on the people around the table, everybody answering these questions, right? Everyone was able to determine how much trouble they're in, how much debt, um, who they owe money to. And that's in, in a firefly like world, Right, who you owe a million credits to is a major driving force. Absolutely, and so that's fun. So I didn't have to worry about that. But what I did want to do was prepare the potential scenarios or obstacles. Right, um, even without knowing how the play was going to go. Right. Um. So what I did do was um come up with what I called the first job. So the book recommends you come up with a job to start, an idea. Um, and then I wanted to create a list of NPCs um, that would you might be needed. And then I created a name card, right? A bunch of names for troopers and for smugglers that I could pull on. I think that's it. So the the scenarios that you had planned out, you planned more of a shell and then used our questions that we answered to fill out the world saying it's the Imperial, you know, yes. uh, big, uh, big bad guys or this little bounty hunter over here. Yeah. So rather than filling out the world ahead of time, which some, some DMs and GMs have a, not a problem with, but, get stuck on because they're trying to fill out world and backstory and lore. You left that up to everybody else around the table and then just had this shell of a scenario that, I mean, there's a better word for that, but yeah. And then plunked in the world that we had built together. Yes. The 90 minutes helped. (laughs) There's only so much backstory I could have done. So I think when I finally got to, because I needed to write out some of the core rules, like rolling dice. I wanted to write out the setup process because we had to go through that around the table. So I, I had a little cheat card for like, okay, you have to do the basics. And then on page this, and you have to do the care creation. And then on page 16, you need to do the ship. And then I wanted to remind myself to do those questions. Right. So I basically spent my time writing cards, just prepping the basic structure of the game, I mm-hmm. guess. But that's only four cards. 
And then, yeah, it says to basically, it recommends, and it gave an example of how to create the first job. So it's a bounty hunter world like Firefly where you're smuggling, basically, um, as a general rule. And so it basically set up this idea of creating a job. But then what I loved was coming up with questions. Um, And the questions are an interesting mechanism for structuring a game. They're not questions that I ask you. They're questions that are raised by the scenario that I might be putting you into. Right. So the job I wrote, because I only had like 20 minutes left at this point, was uh, I called it disturbing science. And um, (laughs) so uh, floating, I wrote in the Orion quadrant. I don't even know if I ever gave that information out. Maybe I did. Is a disabled vessel last seen near the asteroids of Qualax. I was clearly Qualax 7. Oh, that makes it more scientific. Nice. There you go. Yeah. Uh, this is a private science vessel running experiment on a new flip drive, heavily armed, private security of the highest order. Um, and I wrote, the drive is powered by a new type of antimatter core, uh, highly volatile and extremely dangerous if damaged. Um, interestingly, I thought I had written it down. I did not write down flip drive. I guess I created that on the fly. Yeah, because we didn't find that out until we got there, right? Like, Because we oh. got the... Oh, no, I had it written here on a new flip drive. Sorry, go ahead. Um, So, yeah, I mean, either way, we didn't get all that information up front, which is a good way to do it. Um, You introduced, you tried to introduce a couple hooks. Someone (laughs) didn't take one. Right. I just, I took your offer and threw it on the ground and said, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Um, And then let Celeste take the next one, which drove us to this science vessel. So had... Hold hold there. Had I taken the first offer, which was, um, which was the Your guy sister. who had my who had my sister, and I owed money to her, I owed something to, but I pleaded, right. I played dumb. Um, would we have gone to the same place? Yes. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. So we would have figured it out from there what I owed him, or that that place still would have needed. To, we still would have needed to go there to get whatever I needed. Yeah, I I have I had no idea what you owed him. That's the fun part. Right. <laughs> you you ended up just searching for inverted tech, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. But yes, I had no idea what you owed. I was just trying to create. I mean, in a one off, right? Yeah. And we could talk. That's a good thing to talk about for us, right? Like, how do you? It's we've talked about it before in concept, but now we can talk about it in. You can put me on the spot because I don't remember. Sure. But it's the starting. Okay, the classic one off D and D. You're all in a pub. Yeah. And someone runs in the door or the pub owner says, oh, you got to pay up or do this thing or, you know what I mean? It's this like getting started and getting the party moving into scenario is hard. Yeah. And there's this balancing between um, the party feeling like they have a sandbox to play in, but also feeling like they know what to do to have fun in the game. Yeah. So setting up the job, like I knew what the job was, but I don't just want to be like, you know, hit you on the heads and be like, you know, you yeah. find up, you've signed, you've already signed a job offer. You're going, I could, I could, you know, yeah. One solution is to put you like in media res. Like I could have briefed you in and be like, you're in high, you know, inter whatever dimensional space warping to location because you've accepted blah, blah, blah job. Sure. Um, but, but it, because I have so many good players around the table, it's more fun to be like, let's see what these care, who these characters are and what motivates them. And I think the game helped out with that too, because it gave us somewhere to start conversation 
Like we're already part of a team. So we figured out right. why we know each other, how we know each other. We don't need to figure that around a table at a tavern. Right. Um, and then you introduced a, a conflict with the job that we had already had. So it helped propel the story to get us to that next piece before we even needed to think about what that next piece was. Yeah. And that's just because I love the idea of that. Like if you're a bounty hunter, I, it's just my favorite part of Firefly or any of the Star Wars, any of the movies is right is when the, the little ship gets boarded by the, you know, this giant Imperial cruiser or whatever. It's just fun to be like, that's just fun. I think it's fun to see who are the outlaws here. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So we got the hook. We go to yep. the place. You avoided the hook. I gave you another hook. Which, you know, from, you know, from you playing the shell game, it's the same hook just to a different <laughs> character. Right? Yes. Yeah. It's the same so job. That, that's fine. Um, it doesn't matter how they get it. And you running a table, uh, you can do the same thing. Uh, I find a lot of questions that we get or that uh, at least I've seen are mm-hmm. how much prep do I need to do for a one shot? And in this case, Sean did one, one objective that we needed to do. I don't know if you had Correct. any more, but you had one nope. objective that we needed to do um, knowing else. that we had two or three hours to play this game. And then you just feed that in a slightly different way until someone hooks into it. Yeah. And you and and you decide how much side questing you want to do off the top, right? Like you didn't take the first hook, and so then you know I was like, well, Imperial Cruiser catches you. You know, it just gave yeah. me time. I was like, well, this will be fun. Let's yeah. do this, and then and then I was like, okay, let's try again to get you going towards a mission, and that went better. Yeah. Uh, so we got there. Yeah. Um, from what you had written on your card to what you started telling us, what point did you? have that world fleshed out of the place we were going. Okay. So when, cause I was prepping so quickly, which I generally end up doing anyways, right? Yeah. No matter how well thought out like you, I don't know, but you, you must be the same, right? Yeah. You go upstairs. You're like, okay, I got plenty of time this morning. And then all of a sudden you're sitting here like, wow, why do I only have 40 minutes left? I've been stuck on Twitter for the last 50, minutes, <laughs> 50 days. You know? So it was this moment of, I came I wrote down flip drive and, and then it just, I was like, how fun would it be if that was literally, it was literal. The the ship flips in, flips on itself. Everything is inverted. Yeah. And it makes no sense. And I hadn't fleshed it out. So as you were approaching, I'm like, oh, well, there, it's not going to be, f-. I was like, I was thinking zombie guards is what I was literally thinking, Russ. I was like, flip yeah. drive, zombie guards. And then. I'm like, well, the ship's flipped inside out. Like, what do I just have zombie guards floating in space? Those aren't dangerous. Like, they can't move. Right. So then I was like, (laughs) so so on the fly, I'm like, well, of course, there's still oxygen as if the walls are there. It's very strange. And and so that happened, right? And everyone went with it, which was interesting to listen to. I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's it's the it's and again, it could it could be the table. It could just be you know you talk to your table and just have an open opening open and willingness to accept whatever is coming Mm. without necessarily a need for justification. We know it's us, you know, a high tech world. Yeah, Um, we're in space. Sure, the place flips. 
we we were hesitant at first um, yes. to to remove our masks, even though it said, yeah, it's cool. Like we didn't find yeah. out right away that until uh, Tim's mask got blown off or something like that. And then yeah. he started to breathe and it was cool. That was fun. Yeah. Um, I love how he played that. But it's all about just ex- accepting it, not trying to hyper explain anything um, and then find a way to incorporate it within the world. The fact that it flipped and we found out that it was breathable air told us that, okay, well, there's got to be a force field to this ship. There's got to be something right. keeping up, keeping us in here, um, yeah. which helps explain the world in a roundabout kind of way. Um, yeah. So again, another detail that you can say, but you don't need to have a definitive explanation for why this happens. Right. Just say it with confidence. A hundred percent. go through life. If you ask Amy, life. she says I bullshit so much, but I say it with confidence and then she Googles it later and then she's like, that's fucking bullshit. <laughs> same. Yeah. I'm same. I guess that's a GM trait. So the next part was when you came across one of the zombie guards. I had not thought it through. It was literally in the moment where I was like, Everything, because I had a lot of fun describing, te- like, what is a, I was like, what does a monitor look like when it's flipped inside out? And I was like, you're not going to be able to, it's just going to be a bunch of diodes and shit hanging in the air. And then I was like, oh, there are guards. <laughs> There's people on this thing. <laughs> yeah. And they're alive, which that's the part where I was like, oh, well, if the ship inverts, but they're still holding oxygen as if the walls are there, then everything still works, right? Yep. Is what I've set up. And then I was like, oh God, there's people who are inverted. <laughs> I literally had this realization in the moment. <laughs> oh, oh, that's golly. awesome. It was all poor. Celeste, watching her face as I was describing was so awesome. Oh, it was. Oh. Well, I mean, the description of it, part of, part of me knew what was coming. Like everything's flipped everything yeah. you know that there were people there and then you start describing it i'm like oh this is great i love it oh so good <laughs> but gross yeah, i had not thought that through so but that's another case just commit be like you know what if you've committed a thing to the world take it to its extreme have fun with it that's what we did i think that's it so i created some npcs um i do everything on a card so i keep it easy and that's also what i like about um basically games that are um you know, based on the apocalypse system is like powered by the apocalypse. So like, like I basically have NPCs with like little, like uh, I have some, like uh, the guy you were talking to Ricky, the stick, yeah. um, a customs officer an Alliance trooper. And then I literally have very simple things next to them, like health armor damage, and then some notes like very greedy zombie. Like, they were, Oh, well anyways, um, that's basically all I had. And then I just, like I can add other things on the fly, but now I basically have I've thought through sort of the power level, I guess, of things. Yeah. So I can I can pull in something else like it um and not have to write it up. Well, yeah, even just those those base concepts of a character, right? A name will tell you a lot about a character. A Ricky the stick is gonna act a lot differently than Rick Santiago, who is uh, very formal <laughs> in the way that he carries himself. Um, yes. And then and then give a few descriptors so that when you come across that character, whether you've planned a voice or planned, you know, demeanor or anything like that, it gives you something to kind of fit in and then you can figure out the rest of them as you go. So you don't have yep. to have all of your NPCs planned out down to the T. Yeah. And the last thing I'd say is listen to your table. Like I could tell that everyone was having fun just being a player. And part of that's because we don't get to play as much. 
But I could just tell everyone was having fun with the silly little interactions they were having in the ship. Um, and that's the nice thing about, by the way, sci-fi ship. Yeah. Like everyone had a bond, like you mentioned before. Everyone was together because they're on a ship together, whether they like each other or not, right? They're a crew. We've all got a defined job or role. Mm-hmm. Like some, there needs to be someone to fix it, fly it, yeah. and, you know, be in charge. We, we yeah. figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, Tim so, was two of those. Celeste was the other, and I was just there. <laughs> yeah, you were. Well, you were doing weird science experiments. I was hysterical in the making the thing go away. Uh, I won't take it away in case they haven't listened. But yeah, so I think it's like listening to what's fun for the table. If they're having fun on a side quest, spend some time there. Let them have fun, and then try the next hook on the thing you had planned. Those little things help help your players to get a little more into character before you have to throw them into the game part of the game. Yeah. Cool. And then we ended it. Yeah. Just yeah. wrapped it up, ended. We're coming to time. Um, yeah. We, we, I mean, we kind of set that, that two to three hour mark and we hit a little more than three hours, I think, because we were all just so in it. Like we had a, you, you, you yourself can set a drop, drop point for a game. Mm-hmm. Say, you know, you only got three hours and then just do that. Like you see the 30 minute mark, just start wrapping things up. Um, things just become easier to do, even. Mm-hmm which is sometimes the case, or people just start dying. That's possible too. <laughs> yeah. Cause hundred percent. And you, you implemented something to kind of speed us up too, which was the countdown, right? Because we flip, yes. we flip the thing is like now counting down to reverse flip. So we had to get the fuck out. Otherwise yes. we might flip inside while everybody else flipped back normal. Yeah, and part of that is just feeling the moment where you need, and that's what I like about part of the podcast games. They teach you how to apply pressure because you're always being like, now this happens, what do you do? Now this happens, what do you do? And I mean, you learn that in other systems too. Mm-hmm. Um, but that idea of apply pressure, like I'm just like, inside out zombies are not, <laughs> they're disgusting, but they're not that dangerous. They're going to what hit you with their liver. So um, yeah, it was like, I was just like, oh, let's up the stakes, right? And it's starting to count down and someone doesn't have a mask and like it just took a situation and made it worse and it was fun to watch everyone what they're, how they chose to try and solve it. I don't, and that's another thing as GM, you don't have to figure out the solution. Just up the stakes. Yeah. And let the players have fun. Your players are going to figure how the puzzle or how the trap works. Yes. Um, they're going to come up with something that's way more inventive than you would have ever sung. Like you could have just pushed push a button, but they now have like a MacGyver rig with paper clips and all this sort of stuff to try and figure out this simple trap. 100%. And you just let and them go with it. It's better sometimes if I haven't spent a lot of time coming up with what I think is this really cool mechanism for a trap, because then they have to figure out my solution. Yeah, which is hard. And it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. And we both, you and I have had tables that are just like, we give up. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> you have, so <laughs> yeah, you have those off, off screen or off mic moments where yeah. you're, you're being like, okay, you just have to, you got one more step. You can do it. And they're like, no, we're tapped out. We're stuck in this yeah. maze. We live here now forever. <laughs> I've been there. So, so sometimes by not knowing the answer, you can just be like, I'm going to up the stakes. Don't worry about it. And then how, let your players have fun. And then you can laugh together and be like, that is stupid, but brilliant. I'm going to let it work. Yeah. 
Because um, you're not, I'm not invested in the solution, right? I'm no. like, I don't know how you're going to get out of this. Yeah, and you're just rewarding you know, their creativity and their involvement in the game and the right. world that you're helping build. You might be like Russ and just throw yourself into space. Okay. Yeah. It gets you out of the ship. Yeah. I was trying yeah. to be helpful. Okay. I had a rope and a hook. What else was I going to do? <laughs> and a bad roll. <laughs> So hopefully everyone enjoyed the game. If you guys have questions, send it to us. Like we are here. We we did this because we wanted to show what it would be like if you only had, you know, if you had to pick a system without a lot of without a lot of in depth research. Like I hadn't read all the books or all of the book. Yeah. And then what's it like to put together a one shot? And and so hopefully this will help you all realize. Oh, it's not as much preparation, and there's no secret sauce. It's just, um, you know. I think the difference is when you've run a few games, it's a little easier to go, oh, I don't have to figure out the whole thing. I need to know the mission and I need to know, um, I need some NPCs ready to throw in. Yeah. Because that takes time, right? To flip through the monster manual or flip through the thing and try and say, oh, what's a soldier and what do they attack with? Yeah. So just having that stuff ready so you can throw it in. Cool. Yeah. Send us your questions. DM to GMcast at gmail.com or come join us on Discord. Uh, link is down in the description. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. And if you leave us a rating and review, we will send our uh, sincere thank you uh, to your face. Because that's how we do things. That is how we do things. Yeah. To your face. To your face. You uh, know what? We're going to read your name. If you leave us a review, put your name in it, we will read it on the air. Absolutely. So thank you. And for- you can do that not just at Apple and iTunes, but also at podchaser.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you all in two weeks. Woo! Thank you for listening to dm to gm If you have questions about getting your game started, send them to us, Russ and Sean. Our email is dm to gmcast at gmail.com. You can also visit us on Facebook or on Twitter at dm to gmcast You'll find all the links down in the description. In the meantime, get your game started. We'll talk to you soon. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. I got this really strange email last night. I need to see what's going on with this mystery file. Hey, it's a map of a town called Ocean Bay. Someone sent these images to you for a reason. I'm so lost right now. When was the last time you chose a direction and followed it? I'm going to Ocean Bay. We don't get many tourists this time of year. Ocean Bay is a friendly town, but we're not that friendly. I never sent you an email. I don't even know you. And why exactly are you here? The map is the reason we're here. Maps help when you're lost. Do you know what a trap street is? Trap streets aren't real. They don't exist. Don't trust anyone unless they give you a reason to trust them. I think he's dead. How could so much damage happen to a human body in such a short period of time? What the hell is going on here? From the creators of Strange Air, this is Trap Street. So maps can have secrets. Yes, maps can have secrets.